I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. Tokyo! Tokyo! And the Olympics are fastly approaching. We're in July. And it starts in July. And we're running this morning, Matthew, with David Devine, who has his heart set on the Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. And he's really relishing. We're fully support. We, we're, we're expecting a gold medal. Nothing less. Nothing less is... What's that phrase? Anything less is... No. Nothing <laughs> less. Hang on well, all, all I know, John Joe, is you've said, if he doesn't bring back the gold, he can't come on the show. And he'll be one of the only guys in your group that won't have been on yet. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good, good, good way of working people. You've got to work them. <laughs> Another idea that I had, you know, brainwave this morning. For example... Um, if he were to fail, you know, silver or bronze, you know, then if you were to cancel his return ticket and, you know, maybe let him sail back or I don't know, some, and then the pressure would be on, he, you know, he's in the, if I don't finish first here, I'm going to get back home, you know. I suppose he picks up another sport at that rate for the next one then. Sailing, swimming. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> practice, practice. I- the rest of the Liverpool lads, if you if you hear this one before, David, maybe tell him to not listen to this episode till after the Paralympics. I mean. <laughs> now that introduction, by the way, that's a, a wonderful song, uh, 1980, um, by The Vapors. The Vapors. I think it's The Vapors. Um, if you're interested in that piece of music there, go and search it out. Okay, <clears throat> let's begin this particular show. We haven't had an in-depth discussion between ourselves um, I believe since April, just before your marathon, actually. So we haven't even commented on yeah. on your marathon yeah. it, within it. Look, we're going back up. It, by the way, today is the final of the football um, European Cup. Yeah. Um, England are playing Italy, so we we put our full support. It's coming home to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> now Matthew's a big England fan, so he will. He, he we we. Um, it's funny, the football, by the way, just a quick comment on the football and and then we can discuss your marathon because we haven't even talked about that. But on the football, I mean, it's all it's amazing how they blag people. I mean, I've heard it all over the news. It's coming home. And seriously, it's never been home. They've never been to the final. Um, the Interesting, if those who want to know a little bit about when tournaments have started, the European Cup was started in 1960. It's 19, 2021, and they've never been to the final. So this, it's coming home. I don't know, it's relating to the World Cup, which is a different tournament. Just for those football hooligans who are listening. Um, but there is a part of me that wants England to win, by the way. But there is also a part of me, seriously, that wants them to lose. And the reason, we'll never hear the end of it. You know, it's a game of football, whoopee do. You know, the prima donnas in the team, they've been promised... I believe 12 million apiece. I don't know if that's true. Um, they've never shut up about it. Um, some of the fans really are um, disgraceful, probably second only to the Russian fans in terms of hooliganism. Um, I don't know if we can get some data on that. But um, I do wish them well, but there is a part of me that wants them to succeed, but there is also a part of me that would like them to fail. Um, and, and that's just me being honest. What about yourself, Matthew? Are you fully behind the team today? Yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd like to see him win. I think it's uh, it's always good. It's uh, you know, sporting success and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not I'm not a football fan, but it, you know, you got to get behind your your, uh, your home country. And and you know, when they they've played, I mean, I wouldn't say they've played overly well, but they've played you know well for for England, I suppose. And they've they're in the final, so you can't you can't complain. And and there's, there has been some good good plays in there, some good goals and stuff like that from the team. So. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the couple of matches I have managed to watch. I, I have thought they've been pretty boring, though. But I think that about most, right. most 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 football. It's amazing, fair, though, isn't so. it? How bloody dull it is! It's incredibly dull. But then you know, well, no, you know what really stands out for me? It's the punditry. Uh, 
it's far more entertaining, you know, you, you, the punditry, the analysis, and you think, are they talking about the same spectacle? But we talk about that with athletics, though, mm. you know, for most people, athletics, the way it's shown on TV and television, we talked about it uh, yeah, last we week did. with Tom and stuff, that is that, you know, it, a lot of the time, you know, either the, the athletes are sort of, the, the, well, you've got, you've got some of the, the African athletes that tend to be completely new crops every year, really, um, and there's the, the, the pundits don't really know maybe the stories behind them, so it's difficult to tell a story about them that, that you can interweave and, and create this sort of, you know, this sort of saga in the race. Um, it's easier to do when you've got, you know, the, the Americans and the Brits and, and Europeans because ten, generally, you know, they, they you see them year on year progress and have bad years and come back and things like that, whereas a lot of the African runners, you know, you've got certain certain guys, the likes of Kipchoge has always been, has been there for a long time and Bikili and things like that. Um, but, you know, you usually you get these young new crops that come through because there's such a strong nation um, in the distance running. In the, you know, we're talking about the distance running world here. But again, you know, go to the field events. To be fair, there's probably some greater stories in some of the field events than there are in the, in the track, uh, in the distance events at times. But again, you know, the commentators tend to be ex- or former distance runners, um, you know, at least the British ones tend to be, and so again, they, they lose some of that story in that in those field events, and then and then the way the the, the television shows it is they'll cut from mid race in in a five thousand, where you know really you need to see the whole thing because that's where you see the story unfold, the the little breaks that appear and things like that, but they'll cut away and they'll show you know uh, someone do a, a long jump, but they'll what they'll do though is they'll show the jump and then they'll repeat it in slow motion and they'll do it again, and you think. You know, in this day and age, just split screen it. Um, I watched the US trials actually, and I, I made a note actually to discuss this. But I, I watched the US trials this year, and and they did that. They had, the, you know, I think it was NBC. It was on, and um, they had split screens. They would show, you know, they would show the jumps and, and things in the in the in the, in the corner, uh, and keep the distance, you know, on a bigger sort of screen, and then just minimize the distance race. You just you could you could keep your eyes on it and see everything unfold, and then obviously they cut back to it once the jump was done or the throw was done, and, and get back into the into the race and that was fantastic why on earth can the BBC or any other you know British broadcaster or anything like that not do the same I, I honestly don't know in this day and age it, it does seem ridiculous really um, mm, the split screen is that a question of money or they just can't be asked or they're not they're not seems aware. like tele- lazy television really they're, mm. they're not doing it because you know it's easy done you'd think it would yeah. other places and things like that and stuff so why not by the way you, you mentioned the American tw- trials and and for me, what I've learned recently, or seem to have discovered, that the American trials for this upcoming Olympics, um, which is, as we, we're aware, it's it's uh, the end. Of, it begins at the end of this month. Twenty third of July. Yeah. Twenty third of July. Um, the American trials were in twenty nineteen. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no. The, yeah, I'll correct you. Um, oh, wonderful. <laughs> the the marathon trials were in February twenty twenty, just before COVID. Um, in Atlanta, okay. and the US, tr- the US trials were um, about a month ago. Oh, well, I must be having a different conversation with a different cretin. <laughs> I thought you told <laughs> me it was 2019. Don't be uh, paying any attention, mate. I think okay, the way okay. it goes. Like, so they've been very uh, recent. Yeah. So what about, did they not have an initial trial then that before... Um, you know, was there not a trial that was cancelled? Surely it must have been cancelled. Yeah, there was, there was a cancelled trial. It didn't happen. No, no, that would again would have been 2020 though. But uh, it, it would have been the summer of 2020. It would have been okay. as, just before as the Olympics. Yeah, it'd be about a month before. Ah, yes. So, you know, probably early June. What if, let's say, the COVID thing, What you know, you'd had your trial and then they can't... Well, we don't know, do we? No. Would they have had another trial? You know? They haven't done... Do with the, they didn't with the marathon. They kept... They had oh, the yeah. marathon trial in February 2020. They didn't have one earlier this year. Ah, yeah. So that's um, the interesting one. So the February 2020... They've not had another one, and we've, we've you know things really do change in yeah, athletics. Yeah, yeah. So a year, eighteen months on. Yeah, that was that was what I'd latched onto. Now I've re- recall the 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 great thing about this American system, which you've got me on board with, it should be supported, it should be adopted in this country, is the idea that you have a, basically no one gets away. You don't have any. Um, su- there's no superiority. Uh, complex. There's nobody no, it's, gets it's, a, gets a free pass. You've no, got to be there, yeah, and you've got to race in this particular race. It's a trial, and the first three go to the Olympics. Yeah, and the, simple. And, and the way they do it as well, uh, it's not even just like uh, we when, 
when the UK does its trial race, we one, you don't have to turn up. A lot of the big names don't bother turning up. They just go on, they've run good enough times, they've shown themselves as being the best. Yeah. They'll just get selected anyway. Um, but they can only do that with one person for each event. Yeah, well, well so not, not, three... no, not necessarily. They could do it for all three spaces in the event. Um, mm. If there's no one in the event that has run that run has run the qualifying standard and finishes in the top two. Yes. So the way we select is we say if you finish if you if you run the trials and you have the Olympic qualifying standard um, and the, well, the standard set by UK Athletics because sometimes it's slightly tighter than the actual Olympic standard um, and you finish in the top two in the trials then you're guaranteed selection. Although you've you just will, you you've just go. said that you you could be overridden by you know ex- well if, if you if you didn't if you finished in the top two but didn't have the time right okay then you've not met the selection criteria so mm. you could be overridden by three other athletes who didn't bother going to the trials what if these the athletes ha- uh, who didn't go were faster they weren't at the trials and they uh, well that's happened to Johnny Manor in a way hasn't it he, yeah 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 he was on paper faster yeah. Um, he wasn't at the trial because of an injury, um, and yet the guy who finished first has ran a slower time than Johnny, but yeah. has been but it selected. Was under the, it was under the qualifying standard, and he finished yeah. first, so he finished in the top yeah. two with the standard. And that's which, that which to be fair, in the American system, that guy would have gone anyway. Yeah, he would have gone anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the trial would mean you'd all know that this trial is the race to be. You've got to be ready. Yeah, for this you've race. got to, There's you've no got to, other race. No, and, and that's and what, that's where the American system works. And Johnny, be, Johnny became the British champion at London, yeah. And that was de- that wasn't a trial. That was a. Why wouldn't you have the trial and the British Championships in the same race? Well, you would do traditionally, and the trials race potentially could have been the British Championships of twenty twenty one, but obviously Johnny's race was in twenty twenty in um, in October. Um, and and in the American been. system. Her trial was in February of 2020, in which yeah. case Johnny would, as an American, he'd be going to the Olympics. No? Well, if he'd finished in the... yeah. Well, he, would, he was first, Brit. wasn't he? You know, if the, if yeah, the trial... Yeah, at the, at, the, at the London Marathon, yeah. He was first Brit. Basically, it sounds complicated, but the American system is American sim- makes simple, it simple yeah. It's the first fur, three. And first fur. three. It's first three. Um, doesn't uh, matter. I mean, And it, you, know, you know that date is, <clears throat> is just before the Olympics as yeah. well, which means... Um, you're in good. You're in sh- shape. You You've got to show yeah. fitness yeah. and stuff like that. You, you know, because because the other bit of a, an athlete's job as well isn't just to you know run well on a certain day. It's to manage the injuries. It's to manage themselves. Make sure that they're, they're fit when they need to be fit. Yeah. You know, if they can't, you get bad. If luck they can't, as well, you get bad luck. Of course yeah. you do. But if you can't, but that's it. It's normally bad luck. So as long as you you're being sensible, you're being thin, you're not pushing yourself too hard in training. You're not under training. You're not doing too little. You know, you should be. You know, it's your if you especially if you're an elite athlete and you you know professional, you've got you've money coming in and all the rest of it from the sponsors and things and funding from the governing body. You should be able to have yourself fit on the day of the trials. Run what you need to do to qualify. And then be fit when it comes around to the championships as well. Obviously, there's freak accidents and things happen. But hey, tell me you know, about this guy, this Callum, because he was well, Callum Hawkins. He so he doesn't turn up for the trial. So he's well, already he, pre-selected, but he is a fine athlete. Yeah, he understands the British system, so why bother turning up? But in the American system, he would have had to have turned up. He would have yeah. had to have finished in the race, in the trial, before the Olympics. He'd have to have proven himself. And the great thing about the trial in the American system is the spectators are really, they know what's happening. These people are fighting for a place. It's equality. They're all out to get in the first three and they're going to the Olympics. So there's a buzz about the whole thing. Whereas the British system is like, oh, some, you know... Well, that's it. Al Geezer in a box. Oh, what, I decided yeah, what, to take him instead of him. Yeah, you know? what, you, what you've got in the British system is because you don't have to go to the trials, you get some of the big names will decide to go and race somewhere else instead. So, um, for example, you know, and it, and it was no thingy to Ailish because I think it was a, the best choice ever from Ailish to do it this way, Ailish McCoglin. Um, she'd run the trials 10,000 metres, which were held separately to the, the rest of the trials. They were done on a completely different night a couple of weeks earlier. Um, she, she'd won, she was first Brit back there, so guaranteed selection for the 10,000 metres at the Olympic Games. So she knew she was going for the 10,000. She was down to run the 5,000 then at the main tr- British Trials weekend, um, but she decided not to race the 5,000 there, and instead she went to uh, one of the Diamond Leagues, I can't remember which one, but it was literally, it was like three days after the trials, and she went there instead, and 
if she'd gone to the she'd gone to the British trials, she'd have won. She'd have guaranteed selection for right. five thousand. Mm. Um, the, the the field wasn't there was no there was no one else really of her caliber in the field sort yeah. of thing. She's really you know really running well this year. She went to the Diamond League and she got in with a, a great you know into a great race. There was a good group of by the way, te- te- please there. tell the listener about the Diamond League. Can you yeah. tell, tell them a little well, bit the, about the Diamond League? What's it's, it all about? It's you know I suppose you know same you, you, if you're talking like you know the, the Premier League in football or something like that as an easier example of things you know you go there and you, the, the, you know the teams have points and they go through to win well in the Diamond League the athletes get points for which you know turning up at different ones the the positions they finish in and at the end there's an overall sort of leaderboard per event um, and you know there's there's big prize money both for just going to each event going where you finish each event and then the overall finale as well of the diamond league well, is there a team system in it as well no there's not no. a team system just in, individual in that. no it's individuals names on, that. on a board yeah. um, but Ailish went to the diamond league instead of the british trials for the 5000 and broke um a, a mother's british record uh, well it wasn't a mother's uh, she broke the british record um she ran 14 24 i want to say I want to say it's that. So she is now the British record holder for, for 5K on track. Yeah. She's a Scottish lady. Scottish lady, yeah. Has she got a very awkward style of running this she, one? She's very tall. tall very tall. Um, she's quite like a, quite a long stride sort of thing. So she does, especially when you see her next to the, the Africans who have usually quite you know shorter, smaller frames. And it, a, they look very fluid in their movement. Ailish sometimes can look a little bit, but... Would it look un- un- unorthodox or... Um, it probably does, you know, especially if, you know, again comparing it to the the Africans that she's racing against a lot of the times and stuff. And, that, and, but and yet, by the way, in in the Olympics, um, she'll be a big outsider. By the way, just for, just for the listener, is that true? She, um, she won't have any chance of winning anything. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's should we? I think she could. She could probably make the top five, maybe. Um, I think she's got a chance in swimming. The ten thousand meters, which she's run ran fantastic at this year, um, has also seen two world records this year. And those two world records, um, it was set one. Um, it was set by Sifan Hassan um, one day. Um, say, and that, then say that again, please. Sifan Hassan, uh, she's a Dutch athlete. Uh, used to train with Salazar, uh, Alberto Salazar, in, in the Nike Oregon project before it was disbanded. Um, and then um, two days or three days later, it was broken again. Are you casting um, a shadow on that athlete, by the way? Uh, no, no comment. Um, but um, there was um, yeah, another athlete then broke her world record by a second or so um, and so that 10,000 metre record now is like 29 oh, by the way 29.01 yeah. whereas Ailish's personal best is I think something like 30 40 or something like that what's, so there's, what's the there's, there's well over a minute and a half yeah. or so difference so what's the fastest lady on record uh, for 10k British tw- tw- oh British mm. uh, I wonder is, have they gone under thirty? It's Paula, Paula Radcliffe. She no, no, she's low thirties. Right. Okay. So okay. even then, it's there's there's a big difference between where those those top two women who've just broken the world record, both them this year. And um, by the way, just on that, that just, which is you know, just on that, I've been hearing um, discussions and perhaps rumours that this year, and I I did wonder about this. There have been that many world records this particular year. And well, twenty twenty as well, more than twenty twenty. Sorry, twenty. Yeah, this, this yeah. COVID period. Yeah, and the cynic, cynical cynics, who, I mean, there's a a, set, a common sense to it as well, isn't there? I mean, how, why all of a sudden would you get all these records being broken? You know, all of a sudden, you know, uh, within the, such a tight period of time, and apparently, um, of course. Drug testing. Um, we've had a couple of cases where people have been um, been banned or whatever, you know, recently. But with the testing, the testing hasn't been happening. It's been happening at the event, but crucially, because of COVID, correct me if I'm wrong again, During whereas ordinarily they'd be testing um, quite frequently during training, um, that has all been stopped, so they're only being tested on at the race. Is that is that correct? Um, to an extent, I mean, it's from my from my understanding, uh, the testing um, out out of competition takes place by the the um, anti doping body of each nation. 
So, you know, UK anti-doping are involved in out-of-competition out of testing of all the British athletes. Who by the way, should, shouldn't that, that be... A, uh, that doesn't seem right, by the way. That, uh, if you want to clamp down on, on, on that, for me, it's... it's, it's yeah, well, well that's, yeah. that's where there are... you have a, 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 um, a worldwide... There is, there's, there's, there's WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency. So the, they're involved in... They're no, they would test in, during training, I mean. No, so they're... they're why, why not? Um, do you know what I'm saying? Well, it, well it's just the, it's the manpower of, of being able to do that. So they, they then obviously provide the power then to the individual countries' anti-doping bodies, um, which does, you know, it does question then the thingy of corruption within countries, which is where obviously Russia has had its ban from, from athletics because... They were, they were shown to have um, the corruption within the anti-doping governing body within Russia. Yeah. They were manipulating tests and things like that, and that's why they, uh, they've they been banned in athletics. Other sports have allowed them to compete, but I don't, think the Amer- I don't think the Americans are far behind, though, are they? Potenti- potentially, it's it's each country, isn't it? And so, so, yeah, so in competition, testing has been there, but obviously, you know, the, the people who get caught in competition tend to be, you know, ones who are being a bit stupid, who are being stupid, really, because... You know, you you know you're definitely 100 percent going to be tested. So if you're taking stuff, you know you're going to get found in competition. And they'll keep. They, I don't think. I don't they keep that. the A and B samples. So you, uh-huh. you you have to provide two samples, and that B sample is kept for up to ten years. What is it? A sample of sample of. Um, well, it's usually a, a urine sample. Okay. Um, it can be blood as well, but it's usually usually a urine sample, and they keep it for up to ten years. So when new technologies for testing, new drugs are found that have hit the market. They retest, and so we're now being able to find athletes that have, that have you know, tested positive. Do you have a lot of faith? In that, do you have faith in that system? It's, you've, you've got sounds to, good. I mean, you, yeah, sounds good. To, but do you have faith in it? I think you've got to have faith in it. Otherwise, you sort of, if you're a clean athlete, you, what's the point in it all? What's the point in competing if you don't have faith in the system that it's going to prove and, and find the people that are are cheating the sport? Do you well, know what I mean? Like, maybe you, you still believe you can beat athletes who are doping. Maybe. You know, I don't know. I don't know, but you know, yeah, and and yeah. So yeah, this this COVID sort of period, um, those out of competition tests have happened less frequently. Was that um, is that again? Is that and, true? Yeah, it's true. It depend again. It's it's depending on where in the world and things like that. But there has been mm. you know the of of less tests. I can believe that. Things by like that. that. Um, and then that does you know that does bring a question. But the other bit is you know outside of you know away from the drug side, taking the thing of it is there's other things that we have to take into consideration why there's so many world records well for a start you know there's been a a, this pandemic has provided a period where for a long time there was no competitions most athletes making a living after compete you know when the diamond league season hits there's a competition every week or so with the diamond league and it's big money for those athletes and if they're racing on that circuit they're racing week in week out you know there's no there's no consistency to the training because they're trying to race this thingy to get the money. Uh, basically, the money. basically too much racing, maybe. Potentially too much racing, but it's enough that you 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 make your living, you make your, you know you you've got your money for the next couple of years off the off that one race, you know, circuit if it goes well. But you don't have that consistency in training, and what we had, especially in 2020, was that huge gap where there was nothing, no races, nothing at all, and so athletes all they had was. You know, they either didn't train at all and packed it in and, and stopped for a period and took a break from it, or they trained harder than they've ever trained before, but didn't have to worry about going to a race where they've got to push the limits over that hundred percent sort of mark to get something from it. Yeah. They could just train at that you know, that safe zone of that eighty, ninety percent sort of area, keep pushing them, keep building, get stronger, everything like that. And then when races finally returned, knowing that they were in shape, having good agents, the top guys and stuff like that get races organised where they could go and attack a world record and the records went. Yeah. And and also the footwear. Yeah, that was the next point. You've also got the technology changes. Has you know, been we've got uh, a developed, lot. at the very least you could say developed. Yeah. Um, we've also got the we've got the pacing lights. So, you know, that was, I mean, it's not a new technology. The pacing lights, this wave light technology that we, we've seen this last year. Helping, you, d- you don't see uh, that in, in official races, do you? Uh, yeah, the, the Diamond Leagues have got it on now all well, the time. So it won't got... be in the Olympics or anything like that, but you don't what? see pacemakers either in the Olympics. But it's uh, even the Birmingham, the, the 10,000 metre trials um, that Mo Farah and Mark Scott ran and stuff like that uh, over a month ago. I should have been there as well racing, but a um, little niggle and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, Pacing lights are lights, like laser beams. No, no, so they're, they're like little tiny lights on the inside 
of the track. Yeah. And basically, you, the way they're doing it is they have like a, they have like a green, green, green um, sort of yellow and or amber and red. And basically, if you're on the green, you're on the, the world record. They set they will whatever pace you want. They set it as. So you're trying to keep in this zone yeah. of keeping up with the lights. Now it's not a new technology. Some people have complained about it being, oh, it's, you know, it's changing. This was back in the in the seventies and and sixties. They had this oh, technology. Really? Oh, they were using it then. Yeah, they because they, there was a pro circuit that started um, back when amateur, you know, athletic, athletics was amateur. Uh, they, you know, um, a group of people decided to make a pro a pro circuit. Um, stuff sure. like people like Dave Wattle uh, Prefontaine was asked to join the pro circuit. He was offered two hundred and fifty thousand pounds back in in the in seventy I think it was seventy three or seventy four to join the pro circuit. He turned it down to uh, to target Montreal, obviously before he he, he died. But um, that sort of that that what they had was they would set these lights. It would it would be a little bit more rudimentary to the the technology we have now on the way it works. It probably wasn't you know every light solid. It was probably you know every maybe ten meters there was a little light that went off or something. But it was the same sort of principle and idea that you set the light at the pace and you would target the world record. Sort why, of thing. why are people getting going. upset about it if it's if you're saying that it's, it's been around since the seventies? I would say you know the same thing that that you always say, John Joe, is that um, social media is as let a place for those that are too scared to normally talk up and say anything to suddenly uh, get on their high horse and have a rant and rave and uh, attack um, whatever they feel that they don't agree with. And whereas in the past they probably would have just you know maybe had a beer at the pub with their mates and had a bit of a complaint about it, and that would have been that. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, lights going round a track indicating a world record pace. I couldn't be in favour of that because. I feel as though part of the, the race is to be connected to the body and to feel what you're feeling and to have an understanding of what pace you're running at. Um, it is, but it's... And it's... for technology to, to, to allow you to, to not, not to have to, to connect to the body and understand where you are, I think there's a disconnect. For me, for me, it's just it's the evolutionary uh, process of a pacemaker um, you know, you don't have these in the Olympics. They're not going to have these in the Olympic Games or anything like that. And those races aren't going to be, you know, nine out of ten times they're not world record races, Olympics, world champs, anything like that. Um, you know, these are diamond league events. These are you know events that are put on to to you know have a target a world record and, and see that done. Um, and in the past, you'd have a pacemaker, and your pacemaker would do the job. And sometimes that pacemaker would be spot on, perfect, and a world record would get broken. Sometimes that pacemaker would do an awful job. They'd go far too quick, destroy the other athletes. The other athletes wouldn't get on board with this pace. They'd be more sensible. Or they'd go too slow, and, and, and the, the record would be out of set. And the pacemaker himself, you know, he, he was developing a connection with feeling and pace. And there's no need for him now. He, he's, he's a forgotten man. He is. I mean, to be fair, most of these ones with the wave lights still have a pacemaker in there, or a couple of pacemakers. Um, it's just that you've got that technology added as well and, and things. And I, I mean, I've, in fairness, I haven't spoken to anyone personally that that's raced with the wave light technology. And obviously, I missed my chance to to go and um, and race and, and do that um, mm. myself and experience what you know if it's really of that much beneficial or benefits or not. But um, hopefully, I'll, I'll get another chance. From, uh, By the way, just going just briefly back. Um, the American system, the trial, you know, yep. the British system, they were flogging a dead horse with Mo Farah. They were creating an event for him and yep. creating the ideal circumstances for him to get this time, which would ultimately take someone else's place perhaps as well. I don't know, in the 10,000 metres. I'm not sure, but um, it's a far cry away and they created another event, I think. They, they, they had it one chance, so they created another opportunity for him and it was just all about him, you know, and it seems as though the British system is completely corrupt, and and um, I, I don't, I just don't get it. I, I think um, the British system is corrupt for a reason as well. I, I imagine it's to do with individuals and power. I think that's probably where it boils down to. Already, I can see this avenue where individuals just like the idea that they can call the shots, and and and. Um, I imagine I may be wrong. Have you any thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> oh, he's, silent, <laughs> he's silent all of a sudden. Okay, moving on. You don't want to offend anyone. I, I might want to get selected one day. <laughs> <laughs> your silence says it all, my friend. Um, um, your marathon in April. 
Oh, well, briefly, briefly, because it, we it was a long time ago now. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, it didn't go to... Well, is it, it, it went to plan through through halfway, uh, targeting the Commonwealth Games qualifying standard of 214. Um, so halfway was hit dead on 67 minutes. By um, the way, your first ever marathon. First ever marathon, okay. yeah. Um, so, yeah, but spot on 67 minutes. Um, wasn't going to plan to be fair up to there because I'd had to stop at four miles in. Um, I got this this pain in the arch of my foot. Um, I could feel it. I felt like it was a blister starting, um, and I couldn't I couldn't explain why it was starting. I'd never had blisters in the shoes I'd raced in before, and the socks were the same. Um, but I think in the end, it was it was due to the ankle injury I'd had uh, back in in January that had, you know always sort of been there, a little bit of swelling, and, and that then caused that blister to form. Um, and yeah, so four miles, I stopped, kicked my shoe off, checked it, looked at it, made sure it wasn't just a wrinkle in the sock or something. Uh, it wasn't. I thought, well, a blister at the end of the day, you know, I can run through it, fingers crossed it bursts and, you know, it, I, I get rid of that pain then and, and things. But um, yeah, halfway, perfectly 67 minutes, perfectly spot on. Um, but we hit 15 miles and it just started to fall apart a little bit, really. That that 2.14 started to slip away slowly. Um I, would, I, would, I hadn't really practiced taking on fuel, um, taking on water, uh, and I, I, it, it got warm, and I think really that, that then started, I didn't get any cramps or anything, but um, I got a stitch at mile 18, still, I, I'd lost the 2.14 time, but the 2.17 time, which usually puts you in the top 10, was still in, 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 in the window sort of thing, I could still sort of maybe get that, um, at mile 19, I needed a wee, and mile 20, I thought, you know what, Let's just stop. Let's have a wee. Let's. It might get rid of the stitch, and we'll have ten k to go. That's more the distances I'm used to. We we can kick on, and we can still try and hit that two seventeen, or at the very least sub two twenty sort of clocking. Um, I stopped. I had a wee. Uh, the stitch went, but so did my legs, and um, I I then crawled. Um, the next six point two miles, I'd gone from average averaging. Well, for the first halfway, I was I was down at that sort of um, five oh uh, eight minute mile pace, five oh sevens, to suddenly hitting six minute mile plus pace. Um, I went into the last lap; it was three and a half uh, miles, uh, or just around three and a half miles for a lap. I went into that thinking I could still break sub two, I could still do a sub two twenty if I if I can rally this last lap, this last you know just over five k. Um, and get back onto the pace I'd run earlier on in the race, um, but there was just nothing. I, I had nothing left. Um, a lot of people said I should have just um, dropped out early on. Well, after it started to go wrong and saved myself for another day, and and got back to it because it, it has taken me a while to recover. Um, mostly because I jumped back into uh, track training within a, a week of, of the marathon. I jumped back on the track. I did two good sessions in first. You've not mentioned your time that you got. Oh uh, yeah, so I ended up with two twenty three, which of course is is, is a good time. It's, it's two twenty three. Nice, two twenty three. Your first you know, marathon. It's, it's a nice enough time. Um, yeah. it, was, it was a big disappointment for me. Obviously, I was targeting. Uh, nearly 10 minutes quicker than it so um but you aimed high and you got uh, that time by the way in this local area st helens population of 180,000 i don't know anyone who's who's ran a marathon that quick you know at first marathon recently i mean yeah. we can go back to the glory days yeah um but the, the round here that's that's the fastest marathon um by some chalk i'd say for, for athletes in and around the area, even the northwest, I don't know. I don't know. Generally speaking, so it's, I think it's a very what I'm trying to say. It's a very good start. Yeah, it's, 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 it, and there was plenty to learn from it. I think that's that's the main thing is that I learned a lot from it. And you say um, you hadn't practiced fueling. Fueling, why not? Um, just what, because. What I've, do you I've mean? Are you talking about gels? Yeah, taking on gel, taking on and water, you, just practicing picking up water from the tables and things like that. It's just right. not something I'd practiced, and Practicing. it was a mistake that I hadn't done, and I, I did intend to. But are you on about the physical reaching out? For physical it? reaching, out, just well, just trying to drink it as well while you're trying to run at five minute, you know, five oh seven yeah, pace, yeah. trying to drink water while you're doing that. It's not generally they only have you know, one sip, don't they, and then throw the bottle. No, the guy there was plenty of guys that were drinking. I mean, you know, on the other side of it, we had we had Jake Smith, who was the pacemaker there, who who had one gel. The whole time and and ran the Olympic under the Olympic qualifying standard in That's the race. He, all, all, what, was he, what did he run? What time? Uh, two eleven dead. Two eleven uh, dead, and he don't. He only had one gel. He only had one gel, and he was the he was what, he was the when? pacemaker for the race. He wasn't he wasn't actually entered official. You know officially. Um, 
as, as one of the athletes. He was there to pace make. He still gets that official time. He still gets that time, of course he does, yeah. When did he have his gel? Uh, I don't know. No idea. No idea. No. Could you imagine when he when he maybe eighteen miles or maybe? Halfway? I mean, I yeah, I I tried. I had them, I had gels with me and I tried to take them, but they ended up more all over my face and hands <laughs> and, and, and actually in my mouth. Um, they, were, they were a bit too thick, really. I, I felt like I was going to throw them up when I tried to tried got... to take them because I just couldn't breathe when I was trying to have them. To be fair, um, so yeah, I, I I've I've picked up some of the Morton stuff, um, which is you know we've we've heard Kipchoge and things like using. So I've I've, I've got some of that to sample this time round when I. I build for my next marathon, which is Manchester in October. What, what? How many gels would you have in a marathon? What's the plan for that? It depends what type of gel and the concentration of it. Some of them, are, you know, they say every sort of 20, 30 minutes. Some are like every 45. Well, I, I took a gel that was, you know, try and have it every 45 minutes. So I thought to myself, well, if I took one five minutes before the start, one at around halfway, and then one with, you know, 10K to go, that, that might be enough for me sort of thing. And that was that was my plan. But I just, how, how many would the top athletes generally have? I don't well, know. They'd be running for less, wouldn't they? Kipichogi running yeah, for two, yeah. two hours, maybe. It's less yeah. time. But it's all the con- it depends on the concentration. Well, these the Morton, the Morton ones that you've mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how many of them would you have? I don't know, to be fair. Well, you've you said about two or three. three. Two yeah, or three, maybe, yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, not one every mile. No. <laughs> but but, two, uh, two or three gives me an idea. And you have one just before the start. Um, and then you've got two more left, so you maybe have one at the halfway, and then maybe 18, 19, 20 miles. Have another yeah. one. Yeah, and that um, was my that was you my couldn't plan. Really go, you couldn't really go wrong with that. No, you know, I don't think so. But I think it's I need, not going to upset need, your stomach. No, no. But I think the the, the 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 higher the concentration of the gel, the harder it is to actually try and get it into your mouth. So mine was so thick. The, oh. You know, they the, were the goo gels, which taste fantastic. I love the flavour of them, the taste, which is why I went with them because yeah. I can stomach them nicely. But they're um, they were so thick when you're trying to run at that speed and trying to breathe at that speed while also trying to take in something that's like, you know, like golden syrup sort of thickness. It was you, your mouth was stuck together, you, you know, you see, and it, and it, you you're trying to breathe and you end up just spitting it all out and all over your face and it just you know it, it wasn't it it just yeah I need something better. Talking better about suited, really talking about the marathon, um, I heard this week. It, Stephen Scullion is it Stephen Scullion yeah Stephen Scullion yeah the Irish marathon um, um, hopeful um, in fact in the in the British trials Johnny Mallor he was ahead of Johnny Johnny was the British chat he won, yeah. won the British uh, he was actually ahead so he was doing really well this Scullion and he he ran 209 I think for yeah, the marathon yeah. and you were telling me I don't know if this is true that he's decided he's not going to bother going to the Olympics because of his mental health. Yeah. yeah I, he I just find posted, that... He posted this on, on Twitter uh, And I've seen some of his some of his YouTube videos. He's, he's not built like your typical marathon runner. In fact, I'd say he's built more like... He was quite chunky. Yeah, yeah. Quite well, strongly yeah, built. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and, and it can work, and it clearly has worked for him. 209. And I saw... I think he's trains in Flagstaff. Yeah, uh, Flagstaff. Yeah. What, what is that? Arizona. Or Arizona. Or? Yeah. And um, he um, he he do you know he does circuits and he, he does these very long YouTube videos which I can't imagine anyone could sit through because you know it's it's just too long you know. They are interesting, but they are they are a, a long uh, a long video. <laughs> Fall asleep, you know, after five minutes. But I mean, it's all there for for everyone to see. Which if if you're really passionate, maybe you would. But I, don't, I couldn't watch videos for that long. Um, but nevertheless, um, I could listen to this podcast for hours and hours. <laughs> but uh, seriously, though, I mean, I don't understand mental health. Yeah, yeah, but just to—you've done all the training. You're ready. You know what's one twenty-six mile race? H- how could you? I don't understand. I mean, we don't know enough about I don't, it. No, no, no. I, I, you know anything about that case? No, I don't. Only, only what I saw that he posted on Twitter that he that he was he wouldn't be going to the Olympics. And could he change his mind? Uh, or do, do the Irish athletes just pull him out? Is that it? Or I don't, I don't know. Put I don't someone know. else yeah, in. Yeah, I'm not sure how, how it works. They'll put someone else in, though, won't they? Uh, well, only if they've got someone with the qualifying standard, which I'm not sure they've you've still got. To be fair, so you've still got to have the Olympic yeah, step, which is two eleven thirty. Yeah. So you couldn't just send some guy who's you know three hours. No, 30. I mean there's, there's, <laughs> there is the the ranking system now, so possibly someone could get it off the ranking system, but without the qualifying I time. Would, yeah, but I wouldn't have thought so. Not. I, 
yeah, not in the marathon. I wouldn't have thought it would occur that way. But maybe I understand, and then I don't understand because the Olympics they want to see like the cream of the crop. But we've had Eddie the Eagle. We've had uh, who was the other guy? Eddie the Eagle. Um, who was the swimmer who couldn't swim at the Olympics? You know, uh, Eric the Eel. He was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. You know, he couldn't swim, and they had to pick him out. Halfway along, you know, he sank to the bottom. He was at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So why in the marathon have they set this? Um, it's, it's usually the reason you get athletes like that in certain ones is it's usually to the the countries that they're from. Um, it's the participation of that nation in the Olympics in in a certain sport or something like that. Um, whereas obviously in the marathon uh, and in athletics, you tend to have the ability to do those sports and have athletes that represent those sports you know as standard sometimes you do you do get small nations where they might only have one athlete that's you know not achieved the standard but they they compete in that sport um, and you see them and you know they'll go out in the heats of usually in the sprints to be fair when it comes to athletics you usually see them in the 100 really sprints are, yeah. but they'll be but a good way behind and they'll just in the marathon they and, just wouldn't entertain them no no and you're saying the reason is because anyone can run, but they have them in the sprints. So the sometimes you get them in the sprints. They're yeah. throwing them into the sprints where they're not capable of, of competing, but in the marathon. Um, interesting, interesting. It doesn't but quite. You know, you, know, you know what, John Joe? I want to hear. We've heard about my marathon. Everyone listened to last week's show with yeah. Tom, and they heard the briefest of moments accounts, of, of a accounts. fantastic story. Uh, and I, I think, you know, we're, we're 41 minutes into the show today. Mm. I think this story needs to be told. And, um, yeah, well, I can tell on. you the story. It's it's interesting for me because when you tell a story, um, I've told this story many times and, and eventually it gets to a point where my heart's not in it. You know, I don't really want to tell the story. I've not got the same passion. It depends who you're telling the story to as well. No, it's just interesting <laughs> storytelling, you know. I think that's something... That, that I've been around for a long time, you know. Uh, my mother's family, who are, who are English, and my father's family were Irish. I think that, that both families are quite sort of, there's characters within both families that like to tell a tale, and it's the way you tell them, you know. Yeah, yeah. But this week, having told this tale, this is the interesting thing. I told it to Callum, who I occasionally work with. Uh, he's a great laugh, Callum. Uh, he listens to the show. And he was in hysterics, you know, throughout the tale. So as, as I'm telling this story, you pause and then you deliver the next part of the story. And then he's, oh, you, this, is no, this is a joke. This is, and he's laughing his head off, you know. But then I told the story to someone else who really wasn't interested. So as I'm going through the tale, this person is not interested. And then I'm like, why am I, why am I telling him this story you now? And the t- story falls flat. Um, so it's interesting for me um, how you tell a story why you tell a story, who you tell the story to. Uh, and I'm going to tell the story again. I, I do. Well, this, is our, this is our avid listeners who, who, are, who are, have been waiting a week for this story now. The, the anticipation <laughs> is built up for them. Uh, yeah, ready, well. They're ready the, to hear it. The story. Here goes. <laughs> so I'm at the second sale, Harry is Sizzler. I hope I can do it justice. Uh, by the way, my hero gets another shout out, Mr. Thomas Hodgson. Um before I even start the story. Oh, yeah. Um, and here goes the story. So I'm at the second. There's a series. That there's still um, one, two. We've had. We've, we've got two more events, plus a charity, um, Sizzler, which is five events, really, in total. And I go, oh, you can cut the atmosphere with a knife here. And I'm in, in, going into the second one, I'm trying to break 1611. I've found that work is really, on the one hand, it strengthens me, you know, 10 miles a day in steel toe cap boots. But the other side of the thing, after a hard day's work, I really do feel a bit fatigued. I'm start trying to basically beat 1611 and go sub 16, which means I'm in decent standard, I think, of fitness for me, for me, you know. And um, I was 25th in the first race because it, it was relatively high standard you had the British champion um, you had lots of colourful characters of, of prominence there I felt as though the second race wasn't the same high standard um, and I just felt that off the start line because I'd stuck with the leading pack 
It's just coming out slightly backed off the leading pack. I'm saying I was in seventh place. I could have been in fifth, sixth or seventh place. And I'm approaching a left turn. It's quite a tight turn. There's a barrier. And as I'm approaching this left turn, there's this guy in his mid-twenties, you know, and he's walking towards this turn. And in my mind, he'd seen other athletes pass him. He should have had the respect perhaps to turn turn him to you know to, to get out the way or to make sure he carried on moving towards this turning and he was becoming more and more of a hazard and I don't uh, agree with what I did I think it was completely wrong um, <laughs> completely wrong really I mean you've got to you've got to be honest with yourself I think as well and say hold your hands up and say well this is no way to behave so I I threw my shoulder into him and he span sideways. <laughs> um, and I told him to get out the effing way as I carried on my charge, you know, towards this sub 16. <laughs> and then I could hear this voice in the background. I'm gonna fucking kill you. And he's charging towards me with a fervent pace of um, splendor. He's put on a spurt and he's closing in on me. And I, I've gone into fifth gear because I, I've got to burn him off because, or attempt to because otherwise my race is over. It's all about the race. You know, this, this is the thing why I barged him with my shoulder, you know. Um, and that's no good either because once you've gone into fifth gear, you know, this is not the time to be, to be sprinting in the second K. <laughs> <laughs> so he's closing in on me and I'm greatly surprised. Um, well I've recounted this with other people and they say well if you're reasonably fit you can put a spurt in and surprise anyone really and he surprised me and um, I moved away towards the grass because I was potentially in the moment expecting a tackle from behind and I thought well if I'm on the grass at least I'm on soft ground I moved over to the right uh, I'm on the grass and I, then I faced this individual, we can call him Chav for now, and um, he, it, I, it's it's all all of it. Don't forget, you know that you're not really thinking, are you? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fighter. I'm not a person who gets into the ring on a regular basis. Um, it's quite foreign to me. I do have a bit of aggression about me, maybe, but I, I don't see myself as a as a fighting person, and. Um, but I'd like to be able to defend myself in, in some capacity. Um, I, I hope to do so. So I turned to face the individual. And I, 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 I just recall briefly saying, I'm sorry, but, you know, you, you're in, the, I, was, I never really had chance. Sorry, but what the fucking hell are you doing? And he bitch slapped me. Is that a term? Oh, that's a term I've heard. You see, I'm repeating something I've heard. And that seems the most appropriate phrase for what he did. He didn't hit me with a punch, it was a slap. And um, within a, I'm, I'm still standing facing him, and the body language would indicate that maybe that's it, you know, he, he's, he's got his own back. You know, I've hit him with a shoulder, don't forget, you know. And I'm looking at him, and I think you've got to be prepared to go to war. If you're willing, as a very small person that I am, you know, my build is not the biggest for anyone who knows me, you know. Um, I'm built more like one of the Kenyans, you know. <laughs> and um, But you've got to be prepared. If you're throwing shoulders at people, John Joe, and you've got to be prepared to go to war. Now, there's a question mark over whether I was prepared to go to war. And that's something I've got to think about and and maybe in future go around people. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm not prepared to go to war, so within that, but in, within that split second of, of the the bitch slap, and I'm still facing him, and now I, I've got an imagination of what would have happened next. But what happened next? Within this briefest of moments, my hero Thomas Hodgson, he's going along in the race. He'd ran fifteen thirty two in the first, so he must have been pretty fit. Uh, he's some reason he was behind me. Maybe I was going too fast at the time. I don't know, or maybe he wasn't feeling. I don't know. He was. He was behind. Must have been behind me. 
and he's hit this guy with the most almighty rugby tackle. He's, you know, I've never seen a rugby tackle like it in my life. He cleared him out um, into the, the, the clouds, into the sky, and he came down on top of him and clamped him to the floor. And then it was like another second, like another second. And then this guy on the floor, the, we'll call him Chav. I don't know what his real name is. And he says, what the fucking hell are you doing? <laughs> and uh, I'm going to shank you. I think that's what he said because it was retold to me. And then I'm going to get my mate and all this. No, you won't. He's very calm. Thomas obviously had um, practice in, I don't know, ex-military or military. I don't know, military. I don't know what he was. Martial arts, rugby player as well. I don't know. I'd like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy him a case of fine ale or something. I'm going to do something for him. I'm going to search him out. I've tried to unsuccessfully, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, I've now got a contact who knows this, this individual. In fact, he was sent the last podcast apparently. So I would like to thank him because there's not many people out there, is there really? who would, you know, most there were people that ran past and, and, you know, they were focused on their race. I don't blame them for doing that, really. And But he didn't. He was the exception. And um, I don't imagine there'd be many people out there who would, who would step in and do what he did. Just in that moment, he was able. And I really admire that. I really admire. Uh, I'd like to be able to do that. Um, uh, so he is. He is my hero. And um, so then I decided to get in between. And I said, well, listen, it was my fault, you know. And I, I got in between the two because he was clamped to the floor. Um, my other friend, Chav. <laughs> so I, I said, listen, it's my fault. And I got in between and, and sort of Thomas raised him. And then, then off we went. And I apologized. I said, I've ruined your right now. It does, it's okay. It doesn't matter. And off we And the other guy was like, he'd sort of given up his fight then. He, he was... He, he was relieved that, the, I don't know, and, and we're all relieved, perhaps. Uh, we carried on running. My race was dead in the water. Um, I came further up the course. I saw your good self, and I decided to retire from that race. Uh, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I should have fought on, continued, used it as part of a session. Um, but I decided to pull out. Maybe that's another th- part where... Next time you shoulder barge someone, you know, you carry on running no matter what. Um, I don't know. Um, it's all good in hindsight, but I, I never forget this moment as well. When I got back to Fecken and uh, <laughs> great character Fecken. Um, <laughs> great character. Um, his advice being to go and potentially go and take a picture of, of the person who uh, uh, had been in the encounter. Well, I didn't think that was the best advice. (laughs) Um, And we agreed with Paul, um, Paul Doyle, who was very consoling, another one of the race organisers, and and both lovely gentlemen, and I have a lot of respect for them with what they do and how much passion they put into putting these events on, the Sizzlers at Sail Harriers. Great events. And um, this... Guy, and I, if I see him again, he, he's always wearing his, his peaked cap backwards. And I saw his light, his eyes. His eyes were, they were like, they were like lit up like, um, oh, like sparklers. And he had this little grin on, and he said, that was scary, that was. <laughs> I'll never forget that moment. And I thought to myself, well, you didn't bloody well stop, did you? Well, you know, maybe I, what would I have done, you know? There were not many people like Thomas around. So I thank you again, sir. And I don't know if I've given that story justice, but that's my recount of that particular story. What do I learn from it? Well, I don't know. Do really. some more sprint training. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I'm getting out sprinted by guys on the street. I know, yeah. That, that was a big <laughs> shock. But then, I mean, I spoke to David about that and he said, well... This is the thing, you know, anyone who is reasonably fit, you yeah. know, the, the gentleman. Oh, I agree, I agree. The gen- no, I mean, but I don't expect that still. I still expect to sprint anyone off. I mean, 
working in the job I, I've been working in, and there was a guy I was working with, Shane, lovely young man, and he was beating me in sprint, very mini sprint, mini sprint, steel toe cap boots at work. And we decided to start racing each other. We're, we're collecting rubbish. And <laughs> no, it's funny. So it's a laugh, isn't it? And your boss well, listens to these podcasts. You sure you should be telling this story? Well, we're not doing anything wrong, you know. <laughs> no, seriously, we're going to go down a cul-de-sac, you know, and we're going to have to walk to the end of this road to, to get to start and yeah, the, yeah. the bin wagons reversing. So we decide we're going to have a little race. So we sprint down the bottom of the cul-de-sac. Um, and it, he was beating me in these mini sprints. And I, there was a bit of shock for me, you know. But then, you see, it's not an excuse. It, it's, it's when you... But, he wasn't at that moment doing any training outside. He, he has started to do the gym work and whatnot. So my fatigue's building on because I'm training on top of the job. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd done a session, let's say, the night before, and I'm expecting to beat him in a little mini sprint. Yeah, and, and yet he's beating me. He's out of breath. And yet I'm not out of breath, but I'm not beating him. And I'm f- feeling like there's something wrong here. Why the hell is this guy beating me? It was the same in that altercation. That's something I missed out. Yeah. The guy, I've turned to face him. He was breathing quite heavily. Yeah, yeah. I'd warmed up. I was 2K in. As soon as I stopped, I feel like I'd caught my breath much quicker. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. It's concerning. Because if I ever show shoulder barge, anyone, <laughs> I'll think again, maybe, you know. But Paul was understanding as well. As a runner, uh, Paul, who one yeah, of the race yeah, yeah. organisers, the adrenaline, you know, you, you see things out there which you're not happy with. For example, I've done this many times before and I really need to check check myself because I've had loads of altercations with, with um, what are you laughing at? I'm, being, I'm just being honest, you know, yeah, I, I'm running along and there's people, they don't indicate, in, they're in, you know, Jeeps, four by four, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't have a chance, it can't else chance against a four by four, do I, you know? And they're not indicating. I'm waving my arms. You know, I'm, I'm furious. You know, stop, let me through. You know, and it's just, it's 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 me, but it's also not me as well. Um, but as as um, Patsy said to me, uh, the former Irish Olympic team captain said, well, maybe <laughs> he laughed. Uh, maybe you'll go around him next time. But you know. Showing a bit of aggression is also a good thing. It shows you, you're willing and you, 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 you're fighting, you know, and, and that's a good thing. I suppose you've got to channel it. You've got to, because at the end of the day, that ruined my race. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe g- genuinely you go around the person. What more can you do? But in the heat of the moment, it's easier said than done. Yeah. Okay. So, that's the story. Uh, looking forward to the third sizzler this Thursday um, a shout out to Ryan Winston Winston um, I may have got his surname wrong there um, we're running with him this morning Win- Winston or Winston no, Winston I think um, no Winston Winston I think you're right oh, yeah, you, I you, think it's see, yeah Winston anyway Ryan we'll get, you, you'll find out when you get the lads all message you and say yeah got, all, got that wrong, completely wrong, wrong yeah You've not even got his first name, right? <laughs> well, he'll be at the Sizzler. That's his first Sizzler on, on, on um, Thursday. Uh, your mother will be there as a former... Um, they, they invite, don't they? They invite sort of... Um, Olympians. Past Olympians, yeah. You don't, you don't stop being an Olympian. Never, not, never former. Yeah, always yeah. once an Olympian, always an Olympian. Well, there you go. This is why I questioned Stephen's decision to just pull out, you know. But obviously, yeah. if he's really hurting, then perhaps I should be more understanding on that. Um, so Thursday hoping not to have any more altercations but pff, who knows it, it, you know we, we, we yet to, to see what happens um, and um, gearing towards um, in my own personal life hopefully driving a truck a bin wagon maybe which would take the pressure that's my goal you see take a bit of the pressure off the legs which is also a plus, I think, yeah, recovery, yeah. walking and stuff. But I think it ultimately it brings me into that fatigue zone where my sessions maybe not, I'm not recovering, I'm not, so I can... You were pushing it hard this morning, I thought, though, and I'm sure the, uh, the other lads will uh, 
agree when they uh, they listen. You were you halfway. You were knocking out six low six fifteens and low sixes um, on the run. Weekends are not not so bad for me because I, I I'm not working. You see as well, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but you you burnt me off towards the I think towards the end. Um, I'm, I was feeling it, um, but a great morning session. Um, it's been a wonderful uh, podcast. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to discuss. No, I think I think I think uh, we're in a perfect place to to round out the show. It's been marvelous. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to having uh, more special guests on the show. And um, please write in and comment. And by the way, I've, I'm glad I haven't forgotten my old friend. Um, from school we were in the choir together or oh, well, we didn't want to be in a church choir but we were uh, Mr. Stephen Heaton um, a big shout out to him and his son Alfie um, and also I did recommend the Striders to him so he's going to he's going to invest some time to contact them apparently you, you're supposed to contact them first I don't understand that you just turn up you know but he's going to contact them through the, the message board and then he's going to go down there. So a big shout out to him and wishing you all good mental health.